0: Let us pray. Holy Wisdom, in boundless love, you call us to bring our weariness to you. Reveal your grace in our vulnerability and our need. Nourish our souls and bodies with rest and with joy. Help us lay down the heavy burdens that we do not need to carry, that we may lighten each other's burdens in the power and name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Jesus said, come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Come, and I will give you rest. Can you hear that invitation? directed at you? What are the heavy burdens that you're carrying? What is the rest that you need? For many of us, it's actually hard to rest. We wear our busyness like a badge of honor, always thinking about the next project, the next thing on our to-do list. How are you, we ask each other. Oh, I'm so busy, we answer. Our technology serves and connects us, but it also seduces and controls us. We've come to expect complete availability, and sometimes we seem to work all the time. We take our work on vacation. We check our email and our voice messages instead of talking to the people we're with. When we're not working, we're anxious. I'm guilty of this as much as anyone. It got worse during the pandemic because all the lines between work and home, on and off time, got blurred. We struggle with those boundaries, and our busyness turns into a kind of nervous buzz in the brain as we review all that we have to do and wonder how we'll get it all done, and if we'll get it all done, and fear that if we don't get it done and keep working, somehow everything just might fall apart. More than 50 years ago, Thomas Merton wrote this about the persuasive and corrosive activity that characterizes so much of modern life, including the lives of those of us who work at doing good for others and the world. He says, to allow oneself to be carried away by a multitude of conflicting concerns, to surrender to too many demands, to commit oneself to too many projects, to want to help everyone in everything is to succumb to violence. He goes on, the frenzy of our activism neutralizes our work for peace. It destroys our inner capacity for peace. It destroys the fruitfulness of our own work because it kills the root of inner wisdom, which makes work fruitful. Maybe that's the first of our heavy burdens, the lack of inner permission to stop and rest, the inability to disconnect from all that we think we must accomplish and achieve and just be. The flip side is that if we're not able to work because of illness or job loss or some other reason not of our choosing, we often struggle against our culture's pervasive message that we are what we do And if we're not productive, we're worthless. This is a lie, whether we are overworking or we're not able to work. It's a poisonous one. It's not true that we exist to produce or that our worth lies in what we make, no matter how important it is. We're not machines, though we sometimes pace ourselves as if we are. But the message is insidious and pervasive and so exhausting. It's based on yet another lie, the lie of scarcity, that there's not enough time or resources or help. And so we have to hurry. We have to hoard and we have to hustle, never relax and rest. The theologian and activist Tricia Hersey Hersey, the founder of the Nap Ministry, and the author of a book called Rest is Resistance, calls our way of working grind culture. She believes that learning to resist it by resting our bodies and hearts, and claiming that rest as our birthright, is literally a matter of life and death for us and for the planet, which is also depleted and exhausted. Building on this, author Cole Arthur Riley says, rest is not the reward of our liberation, not something we lay hold of once we are free. It is the path that delivers us there. So once again, what burdens do you carry? This is not to say that we don't have real responsibilities. We have them for ourselves and for others important ones for the care of children, elders, students, patients, clients, institutions. We choose these responsibilities, and we're called to them even. But sometimes they weigh on us. I know how seriously, for example, the vestry here at Ascension takes its leadership responsibilities. And sometimes it's even the work of the church that burdens us. We want to be good stewards. We don't want to make mistakes. We don't want to cause hurt or harm. We're burdened with expectations of ourselves and others. We also are burdened for the people we love in their needs and with the suffering of the whole world. At this time of tremendous anxiety about our nation and about the world, We may find it overwhelming simply to listen to the news, overwhelming to try to discern how we can bring our faith and values to bear on racial justice, issues of gender and sexuality, and responding to the multiple ecological crises, among many other vitally urgent concerns. We may need to give ourselves permission not to do everything so that we can do something that is ours to do. And then, of course, there are the burdens that we bear in secret often of sorrow and illness, financial worries, broken relationships, loneliness, fear, disappointment and regret. These weights can be paralyzingly heavy. But what will happen if we stop? And how do we stop? Simply to feel the unknown, maybe emptiness or grief or not knowing, all that can be very scary, too. Not to rush, to schedule, or drink, or channel surf, or doom scroll. To be rather than do. To get below that chatter, the monkey mind, of things yet undone. In my experience, sometimes if I stop, even just to take a breath, a conscious breath, and then another in and out, and with that breath to offer whatever I'm laboring with to God, my anxiety gives way to a kind of relief, to not feeling alone with it with my burden. It gives way to a spacious awareness that God is here right now. Be still and know that I am God, the scripture says. And with practice and intention, that spacious awareness becomes a deep well, a resource that can change the way We entrust our responsibilities to God, even as we seek to fulfill them well. Earlier in this passage, Jesus gives thanks to God that what has been hidden from the wise and intelligent has been revealed to the infants, the little ones. How does this illumine the rest that Jesus offers? What has been revealed? And who are the infants who have received it? The infants Jesus speaks of are completely dependent children—those who are unable to care for themselves or figure things out intellectually because they are too young. But the word in this context also means people who are helpless, who are on the margins of society without power or wealth or status or resources. In Jesus' day and ours, this includes literal children, as we noted last week, not in a sentimental way, but because the young are so easy to exploit or disregard. So also are elders, women, gender nonconforming and queer people, those struggling with debt or illness, immigrants, people without homes, outsiders. I'm reminded of the Beatitudes in which Jesus blesses exactly these people, the poor, the mourners, those who hunger for justice and bread, those who work for peace, and those who are persecuted for the sake of the truth. The blessing and revelation comes to the people who know that the world as it is, is not working. It's for those who yearn for love, for healing, for reconciliation, and for mercy, for the deep, deep shalom of God's reign. It is for people who know they need God, and that God's grace can enter, can come, because they are ready to receive it. Do we know that Jesus' invitation is for us? Come to me, all who are carrying heavy burdens, all of you, and I will give you rest. The rest that Jesus speaks of in this morning's gospel is partly Sabbath time, laying down our burdens, letting go of our work and our preoccupations simply to be with God and our beloveds and ourselves, setting time, and making a priority to nourish our bodies and souls and hearts to rejoice and know we are loved. That kind of deep rest is essential to our flourishing as human beings, essential to our creativity and wholeness, and our capacity to love and to work. We need a rhythm of being and doing, and we need that that doing that springs from the gracious refreshment of knowing in our bodies and our souls that we are loved just as we are, not because of anything we have proved or accomplished, but simply because God delights in us. How do you rest? Trisha Hershey offers a list that goes beyond napping It includes just closing your eyes for 10 minutes, dancing with yourself, walking in nature, taking a long warm bath, maybe not today, looking up at the sky to watch the clouds or the leaves or the birds, praying disconnecting from social media for a day, or a week, or longer, laughing really hard, knitting or crocheting or quilting, playing a musical instrument. I would include playing with an animal, massage, reading a book that delights me, spending time with dear friends, and singing. What's on your list of rest activities? Maybe just sitting. But Jesus also speaks of work that is permeated by refreshment. Work, too, is God's gift. It's meant to be a way to develop and share our gifts, to contribute to community and share in God's creative power and delight though all too often it becomes drudgery, alienation, and bondage. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, Jesus says, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I struggle with the image of the yoke. Seems like an additional burden and one that signals subservience. After all, we hear many times in scripture that God breaks every yoke, breaks the yoke of oppression so that people laboring under harsh conditions and exploited labor can go free. But several commentators suggest that the yoke that Jesus is thinking of is one that enables two oxen to pull a plow together. It's not a solitary yoke. It's a shared one. And our yoking companion is Jesus. The image suggests that we learn from him, as an apprentice might learn how to do the work of God, the work of liberation and mercy and healing and creation. In that work, we do not labor in isolation, but always in sharing and solidarity. We have only to open our awareness to Jesus' presence with us. He says, my yoke is easy, and the word easy is better translated kind, gentle. My yoke is kind. The yoke of God is gracious and joyful and, yes, challenging. It is to love and to let others love us in turn. It is to give ourselves wholeheartedly to the work of God's reign of justice and peace, knowing that we do not do so alone. It is to be willing to share our burdens, to ask for and accept help, even as we help others along the way. We take this yoke in companionship with Jesus and also in community with each other. How we take up our responsibilities and also Lean on and give our burdens to God. Trust God to hold and carry us. This is a dance and a discernment. It is how we find ease and lightening. Come to me, says Jesus, all who are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. What are the burdens you are carrying? What is the rest you need? What is the essential work that brings you alive? Can you hear this invitation from Jesus to you right here this morning? Come to me, he says. Come. Come.